As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will see through the fog a bend in reality, a veil that is beyond your own comprehension. It's the other side, beyond the void. Welcome back to Beyond, Beyond the Void. Void Horror Podcast. That's right. It's episode 357. And today we're going to get Lovecraft crazy. Love crack crazy with you today. So <laughs> I just like to call it Love Crack because it's it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I get addicted to it whenever I want to okay. watch it, read it, like it. And, and boy, do we have a lot of Lovecraft shit these days. Together. Yes, we do. But today we're going to be doing two movies. That are in the 90s, kind of in the heydays of some of the Lovecraft stuff that was getting popped out by like Yuzna, Stuart Gordon, and all these other fucking people that are a family of Lovecraftian makers. So we're going to be watching The Resurrected from 1991 and an anthology by the name of Necronomicon, The Book of the Dead, sort of. That's like another title from 1993. So two movies that are connected in so many different ways. You know, we didn't plan on it, but go figure. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, we're back and uh, we hope you enjoyed our last episode with all those movies and everything like that. Really appreciate uh, you guys sharing it and everything. So thank you. You guys rock. Sharing our episodes really goes a long way to helping us out. I know I, ha- I hate to say it in any episode, but it really does mean a lot to us. So share away. Sharing goes a long way to help us out. So thank you very much. But uh, we did uh, do some fun things here this past week. I got some. I started a, the YouTube back up and pounded away on that. You posted your top ten on the YouTube. That's right, top so ten. So it's a little different, different format. If yeah. you want to watch that, much different format than we are normally used to doing on the. It's the first time I've ever done a top ten list on YouTube. I've done other top tens, like or top lists. I did like my top five favorite Stuart Gordon films, and I think I did the the top nine kills of the year mm-hmm. or something like that one time. But I'm going to try to do a little bit more of that on the channel, on the YouTube channel to try to get, uh, see, you know, what works. And those tend to do really well on the website, by the way, top everything, like literally. So I'm trying to break my, my, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a fear, but my distaste for lists because lists. <laughs> everybody's obsessed with them and I hate being finite about anything. So it's just like, that's true. I've mentioned it before, but you know, I'm going to try to do more. So if you guys give that a whirl, I did watch a couple of new movies. One that's coming out on the 16th, which uh, should be tomorrow for you guys, which is 
Mexico Barbaros, which is the sequel. And boy, it was actually pretty cool. So if you want to check out the review on that, we also have another movie. I, I should have that up by Monday today. <laughs> we'll see. Probably probably tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but another movie that's coming out called Blood Feast. It's a 4K of a re-up of the first Blood Feast. So it's similar, a little different. I'm kind of, I prepped by watching the original, which is like an hour and seven minutes, and then the new one. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, MVD sent me that out. Shout out to them. Fucking love them. But yeah, so what's been up with you, Christina? What are we doing? What are we talking about? We did some things the other day. Yes, uh, we went to the thrift stores together. For, for Alex, the thrill of the hunt. Alex left the house. <laughs> I don't normally leave the house and I asked her and she was just not but, feeling great. That oh my day. God. The one day I'm sick and I don't want to leave and you want to leave. Yeah. Like, and then the she fuck? was just like, fine, I can't not do so this. No. Yeah. She's like, he's going to move around. That's the at least. <laughs> <laughs> so we went thrift store hunting just for anything that we could find movie wise, because, you know, it's like. We don't really need to go. But it was most. just fun. It's a fun thing Yeah, to you got to do it sometimes because it's fun. It is. That's one thing that we like doing together now. <laughs> we found that out one time when we went to like a pawn shop or something like that. Right. And then we were like, let's go to this other one. <laughs> we just kept going to them all day long until we found like a whole Everything. bunch of stuff. I think we got like the Dark Man trilogy at mm -hmm. that and like some other stuff. So, right. I don't know. It's, it's, it's coming. It's It's becoming, you know. Uh, just there's there's not as much as there used to be, right? So I don't even think pawn pawn stores even sell movies anymore because they they don't even make anything off of it. They just chuck it. A lot of and a lot of thrift stores chuck their movies now. Yeah, if you guys are thinking about going to to do that, you should do it around now because this is about the time where where companies are going to start pitching their shit. And not only that, the players, holy fucking shit, guys. We're talking five hundred dollar players for eight bucks. I found. Yeah, you. Yeah, you saw some. Like, I'm not joking. Like, these are like premium ones. Some of them, I think you could convert them into, uh, like a region free Blu-ray player too. You just need to get a, like a universal remote and right. you plug in the code. I was looking it up while I was there, and I, I really should have bought that one player. It was eight bucks, dude. Yeah, but it was a Sony know. one that was really nice. We and didn't I was, need it, so I know, I know. Man, if I would have had the money to get that back in the day, that would have been amazing. But at least it's there for someone else. Right. Well, no one's going to touch it. I guarantee you. <laughs> People don't go to fucking thrift stores to, to yeah, do Yeah, they do. We no, just, they don't. We just did. Right. Well, and those <laughs> don't come with remotes either. So it's like. You got to go on eBay and find the remote. You know, you just get a universal. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, highly recommend going out and checking stuff now. Although we went to some other places, like what did we go to? Uh, Big Lots, which Jesus Christ, Big Lots, what the fuck are you doing, man? They they're like charging like seven dollars for a movie I could get anywhere else for like two bucks. Yeah, they up their prices too on the movies. Yeah, it's just so ridiculous. They're like, oh, well, uh, uh, 4Ks are ten dollars, and they bought them for twenty five cents, guys. No joke. They are marking those up like nine hundred percent. Right. <laughs> it's like they, what what happens is that these companies is like what 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 the Dollar Tree was doing is too is that Best Buy and a lot of other of these places were unloading their stuff slowly in the background before this big breakup of like, you know, like Best Buy is not doing any right. physical media, which a lot of people have been like, well, fuck you. I'm never going to your place again. 
Why would you go there anyway? I like, mean, people did because they uh, people are obsessed with fucking steelbooks, Christina. Oh, yeah, and they did have a good selection, but Barnes & Noble is now that place. Well, Best Buy was making their own personal steelbooks with Target. Target was doing it, too. Right. And both they of those places it. have kind of, like, given up mm-hmm. on a lot of that stuff. Yeah, because nobody buys it, Alex. Right. It used to be a pool to get people to come into their store, and now they're like, well, nobody's even looking at the section, and uh, our workers just leaving in shambles, and people just, it looks like a fucking, you can see, sometimes, if you look just closely out of the corner of your eye, you might catch a tumbleweed rolling right out of the fucking section. (laughs) But yeah, like I said, you know, if you're looking for stuff, I mean, this would be the time to do it because I mean, I'm thinking about buying a couple like players and stuff just to have, because, you know, at some point in time, who knows, you know, like, right. They may not sell them anymore. Well, they still sell VCRs brand new. So not really. Yeah. For way too much money. Oh Yeah. So that's why I'm saying you buy all this cheap shit and you're good to go. And you bring it in here and give yourself bed bugs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you bring it on in here and let it sit here for another 15 years. <laughs> you know, just in case. Yeah. Just okay. in case I need it. Yeah, we heard this story when I fucking used to have my VHS tapes. And then what happened? You should have sold them all. You're going to sell them all. No, that's not yes, true. Yes, you are. I mean, why would I sell them all if you're going to be fucking collecting them and putting them up on the wall like art? Um. Well, we have other things that are art that have movies <laughs> in them that we have a lot more of. So, Which reminds me, I, I still need to do a studio show uh, for you guys just to see. Uh, I'm very picky about it because I, I there's some things that I really want to get to. But there's parts of me that have like this big collection that we got, the donation and everything uh, from R67 is like huge and i gotta show it off i even bought a neck strap so i could put my phone on there so that you guys can see what it's like and uh yeah so it's uh, it's gonna be interesting so i may show the whole room i'm not sure yet you need a you know vacuum <laughs> might want yeah, to a little bit dust. spit polish a little bit yeah. you know <laughs> there's been a lot of spit polishing back here let me tell you gross <laughs> What else we got? What else have we been doing, Christina? What's going on? We've got nothing. Oh, we did get a new painting that you guys might have seen on social media. Oh, yeah. We got my our Christmas present. And our Vigo. Yeah. We call Gus it the Vigo like we're, like we're Target or something, you know, like... <laughs> I'm Vigo. Ah, the Vigo over here in the corner next to the, uh, t- the trash pile. <laughs> <laughs> Next to the dilapidated couch, you can see our Vigo. <laughs> no, don't mind that. That's just dog shit. No, just kidding. It's not that bad, guys. <laughs> anyway, I think it might be that time. Uh, what time is it? Horse shots! All right, guys, so we decided to make a shot that was based around, we were going to do both, but we kind of leaned towards one because I I just did a lot of research on, like, uh, you know, Lovecraft and stuff for this week so that you guys can have a lot of extra lore to talk about or know, and then you can tell your friends and act like you know Uh because I did all the work for you. And anyway... True. True. Your good buddy Alex is looking out for you. But no, we decided to do the movie The Resurrected on this shot because in the book that this is based off of, which is the case of Charles Dexter Ward, by the way, 
in the book, there's a lot of changes that are different from the movie. We'll talk about that when we get to the movie. But one of the things that they use in the film is like this liquid to kind of make this, these monsters because it's a monster maker movie. And in the movie or in the book, rather, the original story by H.P. Lovecraft, it's actually called Salts. And so I thought, well, we'll just call it the Resurrected Salts. Yay. Bloody. Bloody salt. Oh. Yeah. So Christina wanted to, of course, make it bloody red. Uh, we didn't use 99. Sorry, Ellen. <laughs> we love you, though. We did use. However. Go ahead. Pomegranate juice. Oh, yeah. And fireball. Yeah, which we don't know how it's going to taste, but it's got a rim of salt for the resurrected salts. Yay. Because in the in the book, I'm just going to tell you, they would do an incantation. So he would read aloud a passage uh-huh. and that would bring the bones back to life. It oh. wasn't necessarily this alchemy that they were using in the movie. Mm-hmm. But just to be sure that we did it, and kind of give a nod to both. We put salt on the rim and guess how many ingredients, including the salt, there are. Three. And what is the alchemy number? Three. Yes. You had to pick, oh. mix three separate things to make some sort oh. of magic. So, yeah. Okay. Anyway, got it. That's how well your big boy thought. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. You know. That ain't too bad. That's strange. Ah. Right. Ah. It's like, okay, so here's the funny thing. You've got the um, the hot, spicy sort of fireball, fireball in there, which starts to become too much until you taste the salt, mm-hmm. and it completely nullifies it before it gets to the point where you're like, ew. It's so crazy. It's a weird explosion in your mouth that uh, is very apropos of the resurrection. It's crazy. Of Jesus Christ. Yes, the zombie, <laughs> the the most major oh, zombie. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. See, it all comes back. It all comes. It all makes sense now. <laughs> Anyways, so if you would like to try the resurrected salts yourself and bring someone you love back to life, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horrorshot section now. Hail Lovecraft. <laughs> That sounds a little weird. Hail, saying hail in general is just kind of close. (laughs) Anyway, guys, so now we're going to jump into our flesh and potatoes of our Lovecraft adventures from the 90s with The Resurrected from 1991 and Necronomicon from 1993. And we're going to go ahead and do that right now. All right, Christina, you did the work. Let's resurrect this motherfucker. (laughs) All right, The Resurrected was released October 19th, 1991. It's about a a, a woman's suspicion is aroused when her husband, a chemical engineer, receives deliveries that appear to be human remains and performs foul-smelling experiments in a remote cabin that has belonged to his family for years. More than years. We're talking hundreds Centuries. of years. Centuries. The tagline is, death used to be the end. Now it's only the beginning. 
sounds like something like you know and that's something huh <laughs> you know like the cops like lo- sitting over a dead body and it comes back to life and he's like hey hey ain't that something get to work death used to be the end now it's only the beginning <laughs> run for your life <laughs> and this is directed by dan o'bannon he also directed the return of the living dead oh that little old film but was mostly a writer and wrote screenplays for Alien, Phobia from 1980, Dead and Buried from 81, Life Force from 85. Great movie, by the way. Toby Hooper directed that one. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, we've watched that on the podcast. And he also wrote Total Recall from 1990. I don't know if you watched Life Force. I think it was the one where there's space vampires. Yeah, I think I watched that. Really? Yeah. I don't remember us watching that. Well. I haven't seen it in a long time. So It wasn't memorable. Uh. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, writers, of course, this was adapted from the case of uh, Charles Dexter Ward by you know H.P. Lovecraft. Also, the screenplay is by Brent V. Friedman, who also wrote the uh, segment in the next movie we're going to talk about, Necronomicon, Book of the Dead. He also wrote Dark Skies, Mortal Kombat, Annihilation. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and secret agent man. Secret <laughs> agent man. Not Asian. Not agent. agent. <laughs> From 2000. And the stars John Terry, who plays John March. He, I know him. He was Dr. Shepard on Lost. He yeah, was, I was going to say, because he was, uh, he plays a doc. He seems like a doctor. Yeah, totally. Totally. But uh, he was also in Full Metal Jacket. Of Mice and Men and Zodiac from 2007. We have Jane Sibet, who plays Claire Ward. Uh, she, uh, she was Ross's first wife in Friends, mm. which was a bunch of episodes. And then she was also in Arrival 2 from 1998. Oh, wow. We have Chris Sarandon, who I just learned that this was Susan Sarandon's first husband. From 67 to 78 or 9. Yeah, yeah 78. And then they got divorced and she just kept the name, which makes sense. I think it's... that's what it is. I don't know. I, I They said something about a sister, too. So I don't know if they're I'm confused or oh, what. Oh, maybe they're brother and sister. Yeah, but they could have been married. I mean, I don't <laughs> oh know. All right. So he plays uh, Charles Dexter Ward. And everyone knows him. He was in Fright Night. Of course. That was I, yeah one of his first films that he did. Right. And I always forget he's in The Princess Bride. First genre films, by the way. He's also in The Princess Bride, which I always forget about. He was also in Child's Play and Slaves of New York, because it's one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> right. And he was Jack Skellington's voice in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Huh, I did not know that. I did not know that either. And I looked it up. So, so Danny Elfman was a singing voice. And then he did Jack Skellington talking voice. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is. But he actually, he mostly does voice work now for like games and stuff. Yeah. So that's a good place to go when you're an actor. Shit. Right. But he was also in Bordello of Blood from 1996. And we have uh, Robert Romanus. Romanus. Yeah. He plays Lonnie. I recognize him. He was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He was also That's in right. Tales from the Dark Side. The smoking Pulse. guy, huh? He's always like talking yeah, like this. Yeah, exactly. You can't miss him. <laughs> I'm surprised he wasn't in The Sopranos or you anything. You said Tales from the Dark Side? Yeah, Tales from the Dark Side Pulse. And Pulse. And Pulse, sorry. Yeah. He was, yeah. 
The you, the eighty eight film, the one about the kid who's the like electronics and everything go like there's like a a ghost in the electronics. It's like a there's another oh, there's yeah, another pulse. Okay. That's why I say it was a J yeah. horror film that that then turned into an Americanized right. remake, which was, was about in people and the computer and the internet. Mm-hmm. But Pulse was originally a eighties film, which is actually a really underrated film, by the way. This I re- 80, this eighties film Pulse 88? yeah eighty eight mm-hmm. oh. It's actually not a bad film. It's fun. It's 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 like one I used to watch all the time as a kid. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the estimated budget on this film is four million dollars. Hmm. Okay, so and was this your first time watching this, Alex? No, absolutely not. <laughs> actually, I think this is like my third time watching this. Um, the last time I watched it, and I think we did actually watch it for the podcast once. We didn't really well, do the treatment like we do these days. You know what I mean? Back then, so we would watch like as many movies as we could shovel in and just kind of piddle paddle out fucking bullshit shit that we saw, thought about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because there's too many of us were too drunk and there was too many films that we had watched. So we didn't have time to really sit and shit out like, like a really nice thing. Right. But the resurrected is one that I had missed early on when it came out and I was a latecomer to it. So I, I remember seeing it on the shelf. I might've seen some of it when I was a kid on like Cinemax or HBO, because those are the two two channels that you could always count on, usually Cinemax, to get like the horror films, and they're usually the straight-to-video ones, too. A lot of movies I, le- I learned about horror through Cinemax mm-hmm. a lot of the times. That and Fangoria and shit like that. And going to the fucking, you know, store. Right. But... This is one that I, you know, missed. And when I watched it the first time, I was not really a big fan of it. But I did have to admit that some of the practical effects. So now we're on my second or third time now. I would say that I like this a lot more than I did. But I can say for sure that if you are not a forgiving movie watcher, like an indie, if you don't like indies very much, Mm -hmm. you will not like this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. You also have to probably be a pretty big Lovecraft fan to really know the full appreciation of this film because this adaptation was one of the first adaptations that a lot of people felt was direct from the story. And it's not direct even. So, but it's the closest interpretation when this one came out, a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. Just like I always say, the In the Mouth of Madness is probably one of the closest interpretations of Lovecraft as a whole. It's not a story or anything. It's just like the the vibe of it. And John Carpenter really got Lovecraft in that. Mm-hmm. But this one is like a direct story from, like I said, the Charles, the case of Charles Dexter Ward, which did have some differences in it. There is a detective in this movie. And a love interest that gives it that noir film thing where the guy's a detective and the the wife's husband's up to no good. And she falls in love with the, you know, that whole fucking neo, the noir style. Right. Which a lot of people, and I've talked about this before, have always wondered if like, you know, Lovecraft ever did any kind of noir style stuff. No. Mm -hmm. He was not... The way that he romanced in his movies were, or his stories, I should say, were mostly with the unknown mm-hmm. and people who were tapping into the unknown. And so that's what this story is mixed with a newer updated screenplay, like a revised version where this guy Brent Friedman 
really did the just he this is one of his first films that he did mm-hmm. that you know the director was like holy shit obannon was like you know what i've been trying to fucking interpret this for years and i haven't been able to and you did it so he hired him on the spot right <laughs> so but it's one of those things that you know if you're a nerd about lovecraft a little bit you'll probably appreciate this a little bit more especially if you know this story but if you're not on the outside as just a fucking movie watcher which is totally fine too by the way it's not like you have to have you know this this background to watch movies it's you know it's going to be a little rough for people because it's slow in some parts but if you're paying attention and yes it's going to be a little hard because some of the acting is so slow and kind of dry and it, you know, it's it's got its flaws, so it, it might be hard to watch. But there is a story under there that is really interesting if you're paying attention. And I think there's elements in this film that are really good, just as a movie watcher, um, that I think you will appreciate, especially because they do things with like creating monsters, literal monsters in the film that are people that are essentially dead and then coming together through this alchemy which is great. It's like a little bit part thing and like a little bit part reanimator and a little bit because, you know, he's a mad scientist, but it also deals with like the past and everything like that. And it's also got this like, you know, kind of metaphor, I guess you would say that the past is always there, that it's always there to catch up with you again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the overall message of this film, but it's a low renter, a low watcher, I would say, for most people. And I think, you know, I, I think most people would find it at about a five. But I still find value in it because it is so close to the the story. And I actually went and uh, one of the things that I got in some of the donations from Resolution was the audio stories that are like full acting you know people who are doing the stories Mm -hmm. Uh, otherwise like if you read the story from the case of charles dexter ward it's about five hours just in audiobook form oh mm -hmm. but that one was about two hours and i listened to the first disc Mm -hmm. and it was really cool very different story than this by the way so if you are a fan and you've never seen this movie it's not going to be exactly the same but you'll appreciate the changes in it but yeah, I don't know. I like this film. I think it's probably about a six out of 10, if that. You know, there is some really good things in it that I really like, and I do like the story itself. It just feels really, it, it feels like it doesn't go by very fast. <laughs> but the parts, the nuggets that are really cool in here, there's like a scene where they, they put a monster and burn it. Very cool scene. Like, I could see that in a full core movie and think that was amazing. Or even a today modern movie if i saw that creature work in a movie today i would be blown away by it like it's that good right it is it's really that good and i just it's so it's like it's like this struggle between being a little bored being a little bit right on point with the story and really loving the practical effects that's got me kind of somewhere in the midsection but i feel like it deserves a six because the the practical effects alone make this movie worth watching at the very least, mm-hmm. especially if you like things that lurk in the dark and weird f- malformed people like that shit's wild. Mm-hmm. So but what about you, Christina? What do you think? Well, it was rough for me. This one I can was. imagine. I know yeah. this is not your thing. And I'm not I'm not much of a Lovecraft fan is like Alex's. Not yet. And well, no, because I remember in the past I've tried to read the stories and, I, you know, they're just fable. It's not even fable. It's more like 
science uh, instructions. Yeah, sometimes. and I don't like to read. You know, it's fine. No, no, no. I read it but, a lot. I read uh, <laughs> "Color Out of Space" to her, to her uh, when we and Patrick, oh. I think, was here. Okay. Didn't I, I read it out loud? I read the whole story. Oh, maybe I fell asleep. <laughs> no, we read it out on the couch when we watched the movie. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Well, no. Okay. But like you were saying about the practical effects and stuff, it was great. It was like goopy and th- it was just really cool. And like the there was a part that you mentioned about the burning of the body. That was very, like those The camera work and everything is were great. Great. Yeah, yeah. The colors, like the lighting, everything. I was that, just that's what great I'm saying. The scenes. skin on that thing looked so fucking disgusting. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But. This it is a slow burn and it burns and it's just like a steady story, you know. It felt like a TV miniseries to me. I, well, you know, if you would have taken out the 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 bodies and the creepiness and the special effects, it would have just been like a TV. Well, to make TV a point series. though, Chris Sarandon is definitely the best actor in the movie. Oh yeah, totally. John Terry is he just? I'm sorry. I know I'm not trying to make fun of him. He was good and lost, but he just felt he felt a little. Like a, I don't know, one of those shows during the day, like the fucking yeah. So I'm saying, like it's a TV miniseries. Like yeah, but what do they like call those? Opera? The room soap operas. Thank you. Oh yeah, because I think that's where he started out too. I think yeah, he started makes out sense. Oh yeah, totally, totally. But uh, something that I also noticed that there was that I really wanted because of the director was there wasn't any humor in this. And I think if they would have just sprinkled it a little bit of, oh yeah, or like or like a character, you know, just a entertainment, yeah, an entertainment <laughs> character in there, I think it would have uh, loosened it up a little bit. Maybe it wouldn't make it so slow. But they they really could have made his assistant guy. Uh, he was the comic relief. Yeah, it just wasn't yeah, that it, good. It they didn't write the good. comic relief he, well. Yeah, he should have been like the funny, funny guy. Because he is in other movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It lacked that because they didn't have it. So then, you know, the rest of the movie was just okay. It was just okay. It was. He was in Teen Wolf, right? I didn't see Teen Wolf. No. Sorry, guys. I'm a little high, but yeah, I, he's definitely not. <laughs> but he does look like the guy, the best friend that gets on the top of the van in Teen Wolf. Anyway, sorry. No. So you didn't like it. Five out of ten. Okay, so you know it's watchable. It's watchable. It's just not your type of. No. Film. Yeah. Okay. It is not. And you probably only gave it a five because of the gore. Yes. And the and the prosthetic stuff. Right. Yeah. The goopy. The goop. The goop. The goop. The goop. <laughs> the goobble gob. The goobble. All right. You're just way too high now. <laughs> We're supposed to be fucking cool here, Christina. Jesus Christ. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Everything's cool. It's all good. I'm sorry. It's funny. Anyway, okay, so uh, we give it a 5.5 out of 10. Honestly, I think it is, there is, I, I, I feel un, it's unfair a little bit, but, you know, it just, it can be very close to the source material and still not be the best film, right? Right. Like, it, 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 you know, we have to grade these things on somewhat of a curve, but also not. I think you're you're okay to watch it if you get a chance. You can technically watch it on Plex, or Apple TV, if you have a subscription to those. Actually, the next movie's on Apple TV as well. Yep. I think it's the only place you can watch it, too. Yep. So I forgot somebody uh, mentioned that, said that to me, and I was like, I don't think it's out on anything. But So now we're going to go ahead and jump into our spoiler section. So if you don't want anything spoiled, check it out on the places we said. But other than that, here is your warning. Okay, so 
The resurrected Christina. What did you think when you, what were your initial reaction to this? You were like, okay, this is a little too serious. This is going to be boring. (laughs) (laughs) They open it up. It's like an asylum and it's raining. And I'm like, it was a good start though. That was a really good open. Was it? Yeah. It was a little disappointing afterwards because (laughs) it takes 45 minutes to get to anything good again. Right. That's where it's the boring part. I think Mm -hmm. because in the beginning of the movie, show you the end scene of the movie, Mm -hmm. the aftermath. And then it's sort of like a mystery while you're watching the movie as to how that happened. Mm-hmm. And they're always flashbacks. Right. They're kind of flashback. They do they a lot of They gotta go back to the 1700s every single time. <laughs> well, I mean, you do have to remember these are stories that are written in the 19... Yeah, I know. 1920s. 1800 something? No, 1920. A hundred years ago. Right. And you know, I learned something about uh, Lovecraft. Uh, a lot of stuff about him is that he never had a collection of his works before he died. So while he was alive, he wasn't popular, you know. Right. I mean, I knew that part. Right. But his, I did not know that after he passed away, they didn't, his friends gathered all of his works because he'd only written in like weird magazines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Weird tales he wrote in and uh, just, you know, he was like a pretty broke guy. You know, he didn't really make a lot of money. Right. He was, uh, he had a lot of, he had like a breakdown in high school. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, he just, he wasn't good at being social with people, I think. And uh, so he put himself into books, you know what I mean? He was like really into books. Uh, He didn't have enough money to go to college, although he did come from a wealthy family. He just didn't have the money here. He grew up in Rhode Island and he had a love and a passion for the, the town, you know. And then he moved to New York for his wife. Or this girl that he was going to be Red with. Red flag. Red flag. She was like, you should come out here. And he hated it. Right. Like hated it because it's like a bustling, bustling place. You know, it's not like Rhode Island for right. Christ's sakes. <laughs> so it was like totally. And, and they don't really explain how they went their separate ways, but they did. And uh, I think that like he moved back to, to, to New York and then... You know, once he passed, his friends gathered all of his writings. They saved them mm-hmm. and started Arkham, their own publishing company. Oh. And decided to put his work out under it. Oh, okay. So that, I just, you know, some of that I knew, little bits, but I right. just thought it was really interesting that, you know, that's why we see this big boom of Lovecraft in like the 60s. Right. Because he was new author to most people. Mm-hmm. People didn't know who the fuck he was. You know what I mean? Like they grew up like some of the are the directors that we will like grew up with that. And, you know, we're latecomers to it after that, obviously. So, right. but yeah, we had a big boom in the 80s and 90s. And this is one of those feature films that was like closer to the source material. So that's why this is why I bring this up, because it's that story in particular, the case of Charles Dexter Ward, he never tried to publish. Mm-hmm. So he never put it out. He never tried to, like, do anything with it. He didn't even like it. Oh. He said it was there was something wrong with it. But he did that a lot with a lot of his work. Uh-huh. Which is interesting because I was just doing a review of Destroy All Neighbors. And I was talking about in that how artists have that bridge sometimes. Oh, yeah. Where they can't cross, where they, they write all this material, all this stuff like Lovecraft did, and are too ashamed to put it out because they don't right. think it's any good. You know, they think he's he thought he was like a shit writer. Right. And in some ways, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people who like to read, they don't like his work because how he wrote. Right. 
it's a little weird for some people who are used to reading like the way. Uh huh. But Lovecraft did a lot of different things. He didn't just do, you know, some people didn't like him because he didn't explain things very well. It was like every time you like come up to somebody, they would faint or, oh, we don't know what it is. It's this amalgamation of all these things. And like, <laughs> whereas a lot of writers were just telling you every specific thing, he was very. Oh, so yeah. a lot of people, you know, they have they struggle with it until they they get it. Uh-huh. And once they get the Lovecraft, then it's like, oh, my God, the possibilities are endless. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. Just a little knowledge about Lovecraft I thought I would share. Um, this particular story never got to see the daylight until the Arkham thing, I think. Oh, uh, okay. So, so when his friends published this, you know, this became one of the more meteor stories of H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. So, the Resurrected was definitely, one, or the, the case of Charles Dexter Ward was definitely, like, had more to it than a lot of his short stories. Mm-hmm. Is there some scenes in this movie? I mean, we already talked about the one where there was the... Uh, they flashback. He was reading the diary, and it was like the first flashback. Dude. And they pull the corpse out of the river first while it's raining. That looked really cool, so you get a glimpse of it. And then they, they said it was an abomination, and they had to burn it. It was still alive. That was the part that was so great. Yeah, and it was screaming. Because it was like... Abomination, yeah. abomination. <laughs> and it was like it's like missing half of its face mm-hmm. and it's like gasping for air while it was floating face down in the fucking river it's crazy <laughs> yeah it's wild man and it's skin like putrid almost see-through like clear mm-hmm. goopy yeah goopy goopy old <laughs> goops old... <laughs> all right all right christy that's two times you one more time i'm gonna kick you off <laughs> Anyway, she's high. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to. <laughs> yeah, no, Sometimes. we're not going to make that a thing, Christina. Sometimes. She she gets it in her head. And she's like, oh, I'll do it all the time. But no, we're not no, doing it. No, I'm a- not. Yes, no, you I are. Don't. I do not. Every time we would go out and get Once drunk. a week. Christina and I, when we would go out, when we used to go to the clubs like four or five nights a week. Because <laughs> we, were, we were like big, big scene uh, people, I guess. <laughs> We would get drunk and then she would be like one of us would get drunk. And if it was her night, she would be booty bumping everybody in the whole (laughs) fucking place. And it wouldn't stop literally until we got home, I think. And then I would have to then I would have to stay up all night yelling at her for being sick. Drink some water. (laughs) That's the thing. The (laughs) one thing that would help her is drink water and she will not drink it. No. I hand it to her and she like wets her lips. She like touches her lip and then like rubs the liquid off of her lip (laughs) back into the cup. (laughs) Out of control. Anyway. What other scenes do we have, Christina? That- I like there's a scene towards the end, and uh, this is when Lonnie dies. He gets pulled into a pit, a pit with a monster in it or some shit. Oh, yeah. It was like one of the big, big monsters towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think it did, what it had tentacles and like grabbed his legs. And it, like, I don't know if it had tentacles. It just was missing parts, and it was a hulking yeah, see, beast. That's another thing about this is like a it's a it's a shady movie because they, they only they don't. They show bits and pieces you, all the whole time. Do you time. want me to explain why it looked the way it did? Because I can tell you. Okay. So these creatures are the way that they are because they use this alchemy stuff that they spill onto the bones or the ashes or the salts, the the, the earth salts. Right. The, the salts of the people. Right. Their spirit. The ashes. They're, yeah, like the ashes in a way. 
And whatever's in those ashes, so like, let's say if you burn an entire body and you have ashes in a jar and you take a scoop out, you're probably getting some legs, some arms, some fingers, some hair, some eye, all of it, you know, in one scoop, right? So if you pour the alchemy, like, this is how strict it was. You had to, like, organize the bones and then the flesh would grow over top of it. You had to procure these things very specifically or it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. So if you like were to pour like some of that alchemy stuff on the the solution, I forget what they called it in the movie, but um, if you poured it on like a scoop of like everything, <laughs> it would come out as like a weird f- malformed thing, mm-hmm. not even a body. Mm-hmm. It would just have every part of it because it, ex- it, it, it expands on whatever, you know, it touches. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what the, the, the logic is oh. behind so the the bigger beasts were more advanced versions where they had uh, you know actually put the bones down and kind of did stuff instead of using ashes mm-hmm. which obviously didn't yield a better creature mm-hmm. and that's why that other one was in half you know or right. so and the other one was like the closest he got other than uh, was it Gerwin or Charles Dexter Ward's ex Spencer no, it was, was Gerwin. Oh, Gerwin. Oh, okay, yeah. Gerwin was the guy from back in the day who looked oh, almost identical mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. And he used his bones to bring him back. Right. And he, they, they put that fake him. mustache on him. It's Dr. Ash. Yeah. They because, the- you know, he was ashes before, so now he's Dr. Ash. Did you catch that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess that's the humor. Oh. That's the humor. You're right. I never thought about that. Me either. I just thought of that. So there is a joke in this movie. Yeah. Just, <laughs> it just took us a while <laughs> to get it. So, yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, the, 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 the Gerwin version, not the new one, the Dr. Ward. He's like an engineer, by the way, a biological engineer. Um, whatever the fuck that is. Right. He was a very like smart guy. Like if you hear about the story, like it was a doctor who played the investigator. Right. The doctor had basically been the family doctor for, uh, Gerwin Mm -hmm. or no, I'm sorry for Ward when he was a kid. Uh And when things started acting weird and he found out about it, he started kind of started sleuthing around on his own. Mm-hmm. And that's how they got the thing. There was no love interest. There was no Mrs. Ward. There uh-huh. was none of that. It was like there was no Lonnie. There was no secretary. It was like just um, the doctor going down into Dr. March or whatever, going down into the fucking sewers, into the fucking catacombs mm-hmm. by himself, Christina. Like, that's insane, right? Like, think about that. If in reality, like, you're a doctor who just decides to give up working on stuff because your patient is acting weird, and you go sleuthing around <laughs> for this one person. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not like he got fired. It's just like he like. And, but that's that's Lovecraft, right? Because everybody always gets lured into this 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 oh, knowledge thing. or like this weird thing that happened. So you're like lured in by the the craft. <laughs> the love craft. <laughs> anyway, there was a band called Lovecraft, by the way. What kind of music did they play? I like probably like, like Oh, I hope you say disco. Progressive rock. <laughs> yeah, probably. They're like folk horror or some shit. <laughs> some folk music. Um the end though, you know, everybody falls in except for Dr. March and uh the woman did she live? Yeah, I thought she lived. 
Right. Because she's pregnant. Oh, the end. That's right. Because doctor, or <laughs> keep saying doctor, the investigator, John Marsh, March, goes to see Gerwin in the hospital. Right. After every, all that shit And this happened. was a really cool fucking scene. Like, um, he goes into the hospital and then he finds like that there's uh, a fucking... He's in a vest. He's in one, like one of those straight jackets or like they say, I have depression. And he's kind of like tricking him and luring him into a sense of security because he can rip those restraints off at any given time as he wants. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but some reason he gets really like Hulk smash. And then <laughs> I just thought about the Hulk tripping when he said that. Oh, God. Anyway. But yeah, he gets really strong and rips off the jacket. And then there's like a fight. Where he, uh, Doctor or Investigator March, throws the solution on the bones of Ward because mm-hmm. he brings the bones of Ward to him and says, "Oh, I found your your friend." Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, "Yes, I had to kill him." Uh, there's a moment there where he has like some dialogue talking about the the material universe and like all. Do you remember that he was like, "I am the, the oh yeah the void maker" or some shit, you know, like some crazy stuff. Right. He. Uh, uh, there was, but he was saying something about like you know that the the whole talk between Kerwin and Ward and the investigator March have about matter and drawing demons down from the star and he's in control and that whole section there's like pieces of it from the other story that the uh, that Lovecraft wrote called From Beyond, mm-hmm. which they made a movie out of that too. Oh, technically the story of From Beyond is the very beginning from Beyond. Oh, okay. That's how the book, the story, the short story is. Oh, okay. So it's the very opening of it. And everything after that, they, they took liberties with and did on their own. Oh, okay. Based on the lore, of course. But yeah, they stole some words from there and put it in here. So it's pretty interesting. Oh. But yeah, I love the part where he's like ripping, hit the, the skeleton gets up behind him and then oh, rips, his face, rips off. his face off and like stinks its fingers into his skin and shit. And uh, I was like, oh, that's such a cool, like his face is like glowing in embers. Like you might need to post that scene. I was, oh, I was already yeah. way ahead of you. Oh, okay. There's a couple of scenes in both that I'm going to post. Okay, good. Yeah, because I'm like. That needs to be in a reel, you know. Right. Like, I feel like those are really good scenes to use to, yeah. to lure people into the podcast. Into the cold. <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway. Marie was like looking at you weird. What the fuck is wrong with Anyways, that? you know when they, they turn into a pile of ash on the floor and it's really confusing as to why? Oh, yeah, because they're like, spontaneous combustion. Right. The reason that is, is because in the original story, he does incantations over the salts. Uh So when they fight each other or that situation happens at the end, Mm -hmm. it's technically the legit ending and they return to salts. Oh, we all go back into the ground. Uh, Well, I guess, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. So a couple things on trivia and then we'll get into the other movie. Um there was a there was an interview with the S.T. Joshi who wrote a I Am Providence: The Life and Times of H.P. Lovecraft. He's like one of the like historians on him. He does an interview on this uh, the Shout Factory release and said that this is by far one of Lovecraft's most autobiographical biographical works, and that that this isn't the first movie of this story either. There's a 1963 movie called The Haunted Palace that Roger Corman actually produced. Oh. Um, 
which is very loosely this story, like very uh, like, extremely loose. Uh huh. And it even says that it was thought by uh, it was actually written by Edgar Allan Poe, which it was not. Oh, that's weird. But at the time, they didn't know who wrote it because oh, it was one of them. It was <laughs> like, Lovecraft's it was like work that he never published, and so oh. you see what I'm saying. So it was mm-hmm. like nobody knew about it. And I think they were trying to get away with like using his work. Oh, I see. But that's why it's so loose, too, probably. Right. So I thought that was interesting. And uh, Brent Friedman, who wrote this, said he he kind of regaled and talked about O'Bannon and just how much of a huge compliment he gave him with saying that he wasn't able to write it for the past 10 years and that Brent did something big with it and he just hired him on the spot. But he did say that, you know, that Chris Sarandon and him were talking about how sick he was during the shooting of this movie. So... There was parts of the film that apparently he did not film and that the, you know, second unit director or assistant director took over the mantle and did. But mm-hmm. everybody says it's very much O'Bannon's film. So it's not a discussion like, you know, like they're <laughs> like, this is very much his vision. Mm-hmm. It was all pined over very carefully because it was a serious movie. They wanted to make this mm-hmm. like a big budget, you know, film. it's a five million dollar budget for back then. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. that's a that's a that's what we we they jokingly call Blumhouse films now. Six million dollars. The mm-hmm. six million dollar magic button, you know, <laughs> like throw some cash into it and see what comes out. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that's her pocket change, you know. <laughs> but yeah, O'Bannon did die December 17th in 2009 at the age of 63. Oh, it's so young. It is. No, but he did get to put his artwork out there, so you know it's not too bad. That's you know, true. thank Cthulhu. Come <laughs> on! Oh my God! Anyway, Jane Shibbett, who played the woman, she also said that she was like entirely scared of horror films. She didn't like them, but she couldn't turn down a role from O'Bannon because you know he would. Do, right. You know, this is he was the man at the time. You know. Right. And so she was like, I don't know why I did it. I just did it. She's like, I can't even watch most horror films because I freak out. Oh. Like, she's like, I I visibly shake. (laughs) So don't put a wooden spoon in her mouth. She's fine. She'll be all right. (laughs) (laughs) So remember the fake body we were talking about that floats down the river? Right. Okay, so this is a pretty funny one. She said that one of the bodies actually went down the river and they didn't catch it in time. Oh, no. So people thought it was a real body. <laughs> and it was like the whole life. town was in an uproar about it, you know, like, <laughs> because funny. they missed it or whatever. So. <laughs> they did not. Yeah, no, it was a real they, thing. No, they did on purpose. They'd be, oh, shit, oh, I didn't know. Where did it go? Well, it's so crazy, too, because if you look at Rhode Island and just it's like such a like the, the whole city, like when you see the beginning and the opening and it opens up mm-hmm. on the main city and stuff. It looks like there should be dead bodies everywhere. No, it just looks like a small town with big skyscrapers in it. Right. It's well, I mean, weird. That's what it is, right? Right. But I'm just saying, it's just so condensed into like, it's like a one tiny miniature city. Right. And it just is kind of cool. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, like, we're used to like. I Everything's guess, spread out here. Yeah. Everything is really spread out here. Yeah, but that's kind of how it here. is there, too. And, you know, not yeah. spread out, but, you know. It spreads up. 
I don't know about Rhode Island. <laughs> Rhode Island is small, so seeing that there's towers even there, I didn't even know. You didn't? I thought it was all just island towns. I've never <laughs> you been there. That there was just a road and an island? <laughs> well, not islands. It's like, you know, like a seaport. A, a lot of seaports and shit. <laughs> Fuck you. Anyway, they, they shot this in Vancouver anyway, so you could suck, oh. a, suck a ding dong. Anyway, so we're going to jump into the next movie. <laughs> Uh, there are other bits of trivia that I probably missed, but I hopefully that, that filled you guys in on some good stuff. So we do have another movie to talk about, and that is Necronomicon. Some call it the Book of the Dead, a.k.a. Ex Mortis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's Evil Dead. But <laughs> okay, good. I have a question, because what's the difference between the two? What? The Necronomicon and Evil Dead. It's they're biting okay. off each other. Do you not okay. understand that everybody yes, has? I, I know everyone has bitten off of Lovecraft because yeah, that's know. how was, good his I shit is. I was just is. wondering if there's like a difference. No, one's made of human skin, and the other one. I mean, there's there's is the, a book. The story is that it was written by a madman and mad the Mad Arab, which is not very oh PC. That's uh, but that's up. what he was. He was the Mad Arab, and okay. and he wrote this book. There's actually a book that you can buy that has like incantations and things. When I was a young boy, <laughs> I actually found a copy in the band room because I was in band geek. Yep, definitely. <laughs> I was one of those guys that pushed Corey over the fucking over the the bridge, <laughs> and then he went and beat shit out of Michael Myers. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see. Yeah, that bitch. That took um, me a minute to think about. I'm anyway, like, what the fuck are you talking? I was in band and I found a fucking the Necronomicon book in there. There's a couple of pages that were loose and they were always the incantations. So someone had actually practiced saying these incantations in the bathroom. I, cool. being madly in love with a girl at the time, who was this girl named Kasha. Uh, I won't say her last name, just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she actually. Uh, uh, we always had this connection, you know, but we never right. like we would always like, I don't know. It was just one of those things. And uh, we used to write notes to each other. And it's just, you know, like we dated for a while. We went out for a while. and We were an item for like a month or something. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I uh, I read one of the love poems or love uh, incantations over an apple. And then told her afterwards. Oh I was like, I gave her the dork. I gave her the apple. The dorkiest thing. Did you guys slit? Did you guys like <laughs> slit, slit your wrist together? Come on, like, we're not we're not lame, dude. We killed a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> he slid open his belly. No, I'm kidding. Oh we my didn't. god. <laughs> no, we went. I made this real, you know. No, none of this. I just said the incantation over the fucking. It was like Nog Shaga. Some, you know, I don't. I can't even remember how you say it. But I said it over the apple, and then I gave it to her, and she took a bite out of it. And, and you had to do that. That was like part of the thing is that uh -huh. they had to. That yeah, Adam and Eve apple bite it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then I turned into a snake. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how and, did she? I told her afterwards. I was like, you know, I put a love uh, thing on there so that you would fall in love with me how did that work out for you we ended up dating for a month <laughs> but she was nuts and we didn't work out maybe she's nuts because she fucking did a fucking little doohickey right spell she turned her. into a demon she was yeah you should be fucking around with that alex low-key fucking sucking dudes heads off or something Ew. you know i don't mean their penises <laughs> you weirdo like i'm talking about their fucking heads like she turned into a demon <laughs> 
this is terrible. Okay, sorry, guys. <laughs> it's off track. That's what happens when I do a gummy. <laughs> They're like, do more gummies. <laughs> uh, where, where did I? Where, where did... I don't even oh, know. Oh, we haven't even started. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> we got another movie. Yeah, we do have another movie that we haven't even brought up, talked about yet. <laughs> I'll have to put that as an extra section in the fucking no, the notes, no. like uh, derailment. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, derailment. Alex's I'm too high derailment <laughs> section. Um, <laughs> you're crying. I, I'm tired. Oh, okay. So we're going to be talking about <laughs> Necronomicon. Sure. You sure about that? Uh, Which was a straight to video release, by the way. So it's Lovecraft visualizes three stories and Lovecraft, the actual Lovecraft, well, not the real Lovecraft, but someone Jeffrey Combs playing Lovecraft in the movie visualizes three stories in the Necronomicon, the drowned, the, the cold air and whispers in the darkness about bringing a dead wife and child back to life, extending, extending one's life and also aliens that live underground. And uh, yeah, so it's an anthology. There is a wraparound story with that Lovecraft element in there. It is, of course, directed by three different individuals. It is Brian Yuzna, Shosuke Kaneko, and Christopher Gans, which uh, they are from different continents. So, you know, obviously you have the American, Brian Yuzna. I think he's Spanish, but he moved to America. Anyway. There's Shusuke Kaneko, who is a Japanese uh, fellow who did Gamera versus Giron and stuff like that, like all the Gamera stuff. Oh. And he then went on to do Death Note later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Gans actually did The Brotherhood of the Wolf and like a ton of like stuff that you're just like, whoa. He did a version of Crying Freeman, which is a Japanese thing. Beauty and the Beast, Silent Hill, like, you know, just a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Brian Yuzna who also produced this film, has been known to, of course, do quite a few fucking films himself, as well as produce them. So a lot of the Lovecraft stuff that you've seen, he's probably either been a producer by or a fucking director of. That's why I say they all kind of work together, you know? Mm-hmm. He did Society, Bride of Reanimator, Return of the Living Dead 3, The Dentist, and many more. Obviously, I already mentioned Jeffrey Combs stars in this. You should know him pretty well. He is the reanimator. He was just recently in the fortuitous uh, Onyx, the fortuitous and the talisman of souls movie as one of the the main guys. He's done everything. Obviously, we also have Bruce Payne, who's in this movie. He plays one of the characters from the first short, the Warlock three, by the way, he replaced uh, the other guy. He was. Big known for Passenger 57 is one of the bad guys, I think. Highlander, Endgame, Rekill, Dungeons and Dragons, and then many more. We also got Richard Lynch, who's just in it for like a quick a quick second who, you know, you might recognize him. He was in the Lords of Salem was one of the recent uh, things that he did. He was in Halloween, Sword and the Sorcerer, which we did, Death Sport, Invasion USA, and many more. He's the guy that has the the burn that got burned. Oh. He was the old Gerwin. Right. Or Kerwin. Okay. Or no, he was in the Necronomicon as the old guy. Sorry. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> but it was one of those flashback scenes. That's why it's like so confusing. 
<laughs> yeah, because this movie too, it has a lot of flashbacks. Right, exactly. Like every single fucking but one. But yeah, he was actually physically burned. His whole body was burned. In this movie? No, no, no. no. <laughs> oh, just, okay. It's, he's just that actor I always remember right. uh, for having that happen. And, right. Like it was pretty crazy. Anyway, we also have David Warner who plays Dr. Madden, which you may remember from Titanic, Star Trek Six, Tron. He was the... The guy in Tron, the bad guy in Tron, mm-hmm. in the Mouth of Madness, he was also in there, and many more. Also, we have Dennis Christopher, who was in Fade to Black. We got, you know, there's quite a few other people that are in the film, uh, especially towards the end of the movie. There's like a couple of ones like Don Kalfa, who you might remember from like Return of the Living Dead as the fucking mortuary guy, mm-hmm. and many more. Of course, written by. Brent Friedman, who did the other movie that we just talked about. Also, Christopher Gans had a hand at it. Of course, uh, we also have Kazun Nori Ito, who did some of the uh, screenplay for the second part. He's one of the guys that actually wrote Ghosts in the Shell and uh, worked on that, as well as Gamera, Ultraman, and quite a few others. Obviously, Brian Yuzna has also done some of that in there as well. This movie had an estimated budget of about $4 million. It went straight to video as well. And uh, yes, Christina. Yes. What are your thoughts about Necronomicon? Jeffrey Combs looks like Bruce Campbell slash Indiana Jones. (laughs) And he's playing H.P. Lovecraft in this movie. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's crazy. If you even look at the cover, it looks like fucking straight Yeah, you're like, why is Bruce Campbell in this movie? No, it's Jeffrey Combs, okay? (laughs) Look it up. But- as an anthology movie with three stories in it, it's pretty good. It's okay. Okay. The wraparound was a little lack- lackluster because they were like trying to put Lovecraft in there as the author and like how he came up with the stories or some shit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what they were trying to do with that wraparound, but you know, that's fine. The, the the third story is my favorite story, which is funny because that is the worst acting in the whole entire. Yeah, but it's great. Thing, but yeah, it is funny. It was it was funny. It was an interesting storyline. The others, the other stories were just okay. You know, you know how anthologies go. It's just you know, you're gonna. There's probably only one good one usually. Okay. In in movies like this, but anyway, uh. Each of them were different though, and they st- kind of stood out on their own. How would you order them and and wrap around last, like whatever order you'd put wrap around? Oh, well, the third one's my favorite. Yeah, probably one, two, three. Well, no, no, there's four, including the oh, wrap around. I'm saying three, two, one, wrap around. Three, two, one, wrap. You hated the wrap around that much? Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, All that right. was it. Was just it was silly. It was too much. Okay, but the rest of it. As a whole, yeah, six out of ten. I liked it better than the the last. Well, movie you gave we it watched. the same score. No, I didn't. I gave that one a five. Oh, you're right. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know, Alex. What? How many times have you seen this one? Oh, uh, this is actually one that I saw more. I think I definitely saw this on like Cinemax or HBO or one of those fucking places. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie and Society. Well, he's done so many movies that I like. You know, like he's produced so many movies as well, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one's really good. Um, I like it way. It's way easier to watch if you're just kind of a viewer. You don't need to know a lot of the material that, you know, beforehand or anything like that. These are based off of, of course, real Lovecraftian stories. They're a little looser than, you know, most because, you know, you only have so much time. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, they have the rats in the walls. They have the cold air. They have the drowned. Yeah, drowned was the first one. Yeah, and then they have um, the wraparound, which is not a story at all. Right. But yeah, there's whispers in the darkness. That's the other one. Right. The last one. Mm-hmm. And the wraparound is just made up. So, but I like them. Uh, I like this one a lot. I like anthologies in general, and I think this one is a little bit more together and than than most anthologies. Like it feels like it's like an old style in the '90s that you just don't get to see anymore. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the '90s and the early '90s stuff a lot. I've noticed because there was still a lot of '80s, you know, overflow. Mm-hmm. So it, it really is the most '80s '90s part of '90s. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, so yeah, I have to admit that I do like early nineties stuff at the very least, but for the most part, the late nineties really fucked things up. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, Whatever. But you know, you'll find gems in there. I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm saying that there's just a lot of bad ones in that area, but yeah, this one is uh, definitely a little bit more of the, it feels like the straight to video, even though it was made to be a to theater run, there was supposed to be a theater run distribution is just one of those things that he talks about Yuzna in this about how you can make a film and then the distribution deal just changes everything. Mm -hmm. So you just never know. And it's really out of your hands as a director, usually sometimes even a producer. So, Mm -hmm. but it is one that is probably one of the more graphic anthologies. I think in, in anthologies period, like it is really good. Screaming Mad George did the effects on this one, so you're going to have top-notch shit here. He is one of the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, Yuzna and Stuart Gordon, everybody used him. He was from Japan, of course, but he was amazing. And he did a lot of really, really, really great stuff everywhere in the world. And you are going to see a lot of that all over this place, too. There is everything from practical effects to visual effects, which aren't so hot, and their early 90s visual effects, too. Right. Which even Yuzna was like, ugh, I hate that part. Or I hate <laughs> those parts. And then there's also, like, you know, miniature stuff. So they did, like, claymation oh, yeah, style. Yeah, you could tell. So it's all blended in there together. And I kind of love that because that was, like, the last generation that you really saw stuff like that. Right. So it's like... You get to see all of that put together in a really creative way. Some of the stories are a little quick and jumbled. I didn't really like the second one, uh, to be honest, as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was the weakest one of the bunch. Mm-hmm. But it's a little too romanticized for me. Yeah. Like, I get the like story behind it. I just wasn't a big fan. The first one is jumbled, but has a lot of goods in it. Yeah, you're right. It has some really cool graphic gore in that part. There's a lot of really cool stuff. There's like this. It's basically about a guy coming back to his house uh, that he inherits or whatever. And then, you know, there's something like living under the boards. And the second one is about a guy who can live long periods of time, which is a little boring. But they have this really cool like twist in it. That was kind of nice. It's all these dead people like are appearing. Was there? Yeah, because that's why the journalist came to the door. Oh, I thought you meant like walking around. I'm like, what? (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, you had to be kind (laughs) of. This isn't about Jesus, Alex. (laughs) Well, it's not. We're talking about fiction here, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) When resurrected, it was all about fucking, you know, (laughs) Jesus. So (laughs) anyway, uh, (laughs) the second one I wasn't too fond of. The third one is the best. It's a little bit more of the modern take that like 
slowly devolves into like the catacombs, which is like, you know, the rats in the walls style slash uh, the whispers in the darkness, which is really, it's really kind of cool. And I, I love the idea of it. There's a, I don't want to spoil anything about it, but it's just, just know that there's like aliens that have been here forever living underground and it, it, they do some really fucked it's up a cool shit. Story. Uh, Yuzna does a really good job on this one because he even talks about it in the extras about how his style is so schlocky, but he likes to be a little schlocky. He's like, these other guys, you know, they're really good and they're really talented at not making stuff schlocky, but I like schlocky. So <laughs> I make schlocky a little bit, you know, like it's, I go for the, the gusto. I like it doing it. And even the writer said that the, uh, you know, when writing with Yuzna, you can really kind of push the boundaries Mm-hmm. because Yusna doesn't flinch. She's like, okay, yeah, let's put it on the table and see what works. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I really like this. The wraparound, I thought, was actually pretty good. Uh, it isn't my favorite, but I really love seeing Jeffrey Combs in it. There's some really silly scenes that are in it, and it kind of is this mystery, this thing as he's sort of going through each of the stories. There's a, you know, I thought it was a really good wraparound in a story. Anyway, um, I think you should definitely check it out. I think it's like a 7 out of 10 for me specifically because the graphic gore, the practical effects, the claymation, the creature work, everything. And it's funny, too, because I remember we did this early, early, early in the podcast history, and I did not like it as much. And I think I was being a little too particular now, you know, because my tastes have changed over the past seven years or whatever. You're more charitable. Yeah, well, I'm, I I'm I tolerate things because I don't get to see it as much in newer movies. Mm-hmm. Like, do you guys, do you know that we don't really get these movies? Like when I said that evil dead is like a good movie because we don't get it anymore. We don't get movies that go buck wild like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And these are the kind of movies that did it pretty frequently. Like it was a popular thing. That's why I love the eighties so much mm-hmm. is because they really did go buck wild. And it, you know, so I don't know. I really like it. It's not the best anthology I've ever seen, but if you like old practical 80s and you like fucking like gory stuff, I say highly recommended. I liked it better than The Resurrected um, because the story, it's it's shorter bites. You know, obviously it's hard to compare because Resurrected is a big story. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that's what I think. So, and that's all that matters. And that's all. And that's God bless America. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) Have a good night, everyone. I'm out. (laughs) <laughs> I trip and hit my head on the desk. Have a dream about Lovecraft. Turn into an octopus. Yeah, start shaking <laughs> like the dude in this one. Uh, so yeah, we do have some you know extras, some trivia, some things to talk about in this movie uh, that are pretty interesting. I can kind of give you the history of it. I found really fascinating that Yuzna talks about in the extras. I got like the uh, the Blu-ray as a gift from um, Resolution sixty seven as well as the Resurrected just. Uh, heads up for everybody. Thank you very much, by the way. I forgot to say thanks. Well, I'm just so spaced out right now because <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, it's the German release that you can still pick up actually on Amazon, I think. And it it works. I think it's region free as well. Mm-hmm. So you just got to like go to Einstein Lugen <laughs> and check out. <laughs> I had to explain it to Christina. So. <laughs> But if you don't want anything spoiled, you can also just rent it on Apple TV. So anyway, if you don't want anything spoiled, as you're wanting. So this is the movie and society. Another Yuzna flick was produced by Japanese interests. So that's how they kind of like 
got, you know, Screaming Mad George and him became friends. Used in a thought, you know, and try to make an anthology or like a set of anthologies with one partner from Europe and one from Japan, which the Tashahigi Ichize, who basically produced J-horror back then, like he did the big boom, did all mm-hmm. the films like Ring, Juon, Dark Water, and so many more. Um, they were all teaming up together to do this really cool anthology. Mm-hmm. And each producer would pick their director. So each director would like pick their Lovecraft story, the writer to adapt it. And then they settled on Shizuki Kaneko, who was, you know, the Gamera guy who did Death Note as well. Mm-hmm. And then Christoph Gans came into the picture while they were making The Giver, which is also oh. a Japanese property. Mm-hmm. Because it's like one of the only like tokusatsu style like movies that we get out in america like Mm -hmm. you you guys have seen like the power rangers and shit like that but this is like where they would fight monsters and it was very realistic and this is like literally the only violent (laughs) one of the only violent ones other than like there's a couple of uh shows on amazon called uh common writer which Mm -hmm. are really graphic and violent uh but this is really good screaming mad george effects so when they met it was over the Giver and this Japanese entity who was producing all these films and everything had given him stacks of like other anime. He was like, hey, we're going to turn this into a real movie and we'll turn this into a movie. And then, you know, he was like experienced enough and knew how to work a smaller budget than most. He was like right in that nook. And so Yuzna oh. was like really working well with these guys, which mm-hmm. opened up a lot of stuff. Like a lot of movies were, were done in Japanese, Japanese movies, uh-huh. produced movies, by the way. But his French distributor buddy or producer was Samuel Hadida. And he said, uh, you know, hey, I just picked up the rights to the Giver. Mm-hmm. Do you think you could send over the negative, you know, so I don't have to make a copy because they had to make copies back in the day. And he was like, sure, I'll send it out to you. And then he was like, Hadida was like, hey, so do you have anything extra laying around that, you know, you know, like you're doing anything with that maybe I can pick up an option, you know, for distribution out uh... here? And uh, he was like, yeah, I got a whole stack of anime that these Japanese producers wanted to do. And he was like, I got Crying Freeman. And he was like, oh, Crying Freeman. He's like, I've been trying to get that for three years now. And he was like, oh, shit. He was like, well, he's like, do you have a director that you would want to do? And he was like, well, I got this new guy. He's not really known. He's like, I don't know if the Japanese guys are going to fall, you know, go for that kind of thing. This is like a big property. He's like, how about, how about this? How about you put him on this anthology I'm going to do? Mm-hmm. You'll be the European guy, and your directorial guy will do his first film, his first film with me. And then if it goes well, then you know that you're spending your money wisely for the big one, the Craig oh. Freeman property. And then I'll give you that one. Mm-hmm. And he was like, good idea. So they got that Christopher Gans, and that's why the first one is a little jumbled. Oh, okay. Because it was his first right. thing he ever did. Right. It was um, But he saw something in him, and Hadida did big movies. We're talking big fucking movies. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So for for the director in U.S., director Yuzna was like, okay, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to do it just because he loves the shit so much. You know what I mean? I don't right. think it's a, like a, I don't think he's a narcissist. It's not like he's like, nobody else is going to do this justice. Mm-hmm. He just loves doing it. Oh. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And when he read Brent Freeman's story for the third one, The Quiet, uh, the, uh, the Whisper in the, in the Darkness, mm-hmm. 
he was like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this one. <laughs> but somebody had suggested a couple of people to him uh, before that, which, which you know, he wasn't the one to pick the, the European guy. That wasn't his job. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they wanted to get these other guys like Guillermo del Toro and Robert Rodriguez, oh, uh-huh. which, you know, he was That's like, crazy. That's not those aren't American, though. Like, I can't, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but it was like before they were big. Right. You know, well, sort of, you know, like they were like bu- bustling. Right. Like he'd done the Robert Rodriguez did the one uh, mariachi. Right. El mariachi or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know the uh, the short and the 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 short that was done for the wraparound was actually done in a cemetery in Compton. That's weird. Yeah, they had a couple of mausoleums there where you could go into, and they were like really done up. Oh, because they had that style. Right, like, it has that that weird thing on the top that looks almost kind of like Moroccan. Arabic or something. Yeah, and uh, actually, the the mausoleum that they used was used in Hot Shots Part Two, which I just picked up. Oh, how funny! Um, and it was used for Saddam's palace. Oh, so the shot that they take of that in the movie, uh huh, is from that. Oh, okay. So I thought that was really funny, but there was other movies that uh, used it as well. But Yuzna is also the cabbie at the end of the movie. Oh, okay. Interesting story on this, though. When they put him in the front, he was wearing his regular glasses and the uh, the art direction or the, you know, the the, the wardrobe person mm-hmm. was like, you can't wear those. Those are not period piece. Oh, uh, oh, because this is taking place, you know, in modern times where Lovecraft was alive in the 30s or right. 20s. Right. And so they changed his glasses out. He didn't have glasses. They put fake ones on. And so when he's <laughs> driving away. He can't see. <laughs> and so he missed his mark and everybody was making fun of him. What'd you expect? And he was like, golly, guys, you know, like. Yeah, I just wear glasses for the fuck of it. Like. Yeah, exactly. So like, but people just kept making fun of him about it. And so then he got real self-conscious about it and he never acted again. He never wow. did a like a cameo or anything like that ever again. That makes and sense. he got so self-conscious of it that he actually removed his voice from the film. Oh. And had somebody dub it. Oh my gosh! And Stuart Gordon was like, "Wait, you had somebody dub your own voice?" <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, I know. I was crazy about it." <laughs> so it's understandable. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, there was also another moment in the movie, <laughs> in the last short, the quietness, the the whispers in the darkness. Uh, the writer Brent mm-hmm. Friedman, V Friedman. Was on the set, obviously, to do touch-ups and stuff like that, you know, fix the script and stuff. And uh, Yusna was like, I gotta go. Uh, Freeman, you're gonna do second unit director right now. So just go on ahead and shoot these scenes. Second unit, what they do, they don't do the, like, main cast and stuff like that. Right. They do the side shots or right. the pickup shots and the, right. you know, like, the on-scene stuff when he's not, when he's busy. Mm-hmm. Friedman had never done any of this before, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's a writer. He's like, I'm a fucking writer. I don't know this shit. Right. So he was like, fuck. He was like, oh, he was like really nervous. He was like, he took too many shots. And like, he, he wanted to take it seriously because he really wanted it to look good. Right. And so he was just like, it was like, you know, it was just kind of cool that Yuzna was like that in a way mm-hmm. because it kind of opened me up to be able to be a director or something, you know, like, and right. if I get an opportunity like that, that really, mm-hmm. that's a big, moment for somebody in, in that working industry like that so oh that's cool yeah i thought it was cool so but yeah that's that's pretty much it for the uh trivia on that um 
it seems like you know the extras on that disc they are f- uh, so many yeah like, it was an hour and a half i watched an hour and a half i, u- I fell asleep a little bit but Yuzna uh, uh, was talking about the whole fucking thing. He was oh, there, wow. and I, I guarantee you they probably used that that footage for other movies too because mm-hmm. he was in there talking about um, Reanimator. Oh, and other movies too, right? So that he that he produced or or directed. Oh, I see. And so it was kind of like just talking about Lovecraft in general, and they probably used the elements of that in other releases. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. So. Uh, we did talk about some of our favorite things here. Do you want to talk about, um, well, I gotta tell you in that first story, the drowned, there was a part where his dead wife shows up and that was cool. Yeah, that was, that was cool. I forgot about that part. Cause like tentacles she's completely start, nude. Yeah. She's completely naked with like long hair and then like tech tentacles start coming out of her stomach and shit her mouth yeah it was crazy it was coming out of her eyes actually and the scream she had sounded just like the thing yeah by the way when they lighted on fire Mm -hmm. it was like maybe they used that but that part was cool they might have Mm -hmm. he slashes her across the chest and like her skin opens up and it's like so pale that it like spills out this weird green shit here's the goop the goop is back. Right. That was cool, man. And then yeah. her eyes do like the tentacles stuff. Yeah. And then she gets yanked back and like blows through the fucking balcony and then slammed onto the floor. Yeah. And then and it she's all shaking on. and like weird and fucked up. Yeah. It's a pretty cool fucking scene. That was a cool scene. And the creature that's underneath the ground that, that it belongs to. That, I love that idea that it's like this is like its tentacles. Like, I don't want to get too crazy here. I know I'm high, but <laughs> a lot of people theorize that that's exactly what God is. Yeah. Is that they that's are think. extensions. We are extensions connected by some sort of, you know, tentacle experiencing and feeling and, and observing and experiencing different forms of life. Right. In the bigger scheme mm-hmm. that crosses multiple dimensions, et cetera. Right. That's that's a weird, yeah, crazy wish, theory. So you wish, let's, yeah, let's just you know go straight to Scientology. Right, but, but but let me just put put this into perspective of you for you, okay? Lovecraft wrote this shit like stuff like this in his books and stuff, you know. So like these ideas are like you know ancient, like. Right. He's well, like way ahead of his time. I wouldn't say ancient. It was only a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter. A lot of the stuff that we like, there was nobody writing shit like that. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing. Yeah. Nobody was that crazy. Mm-hmm. He's crazy. Right. You know what I mean? Like he's a fucking madman, like a legit madman that that wrote shit. That's like, and I think that I was thinking about this, and I think that part of the reason why is that. I genuinely think that H.P. Lovecraft was fucking scared of everything. Mm-hmm. And it, se- it makes sense right. to write fear the way that he did. Mm-hmm. And so, like, way out there in, <laughs> like, crossing dimensions, all this stuff. Like, the stuff that he was writing is just beyond mm-hmm. anything, anybody. Everybody has literally ripped him off. King, Clive Barker, right? All of the fucking horror greats, okay, have ripped off Lovecraft, you know, in some form or another. Mm-hmm. All the fucking, all your favorite fucking movie fucking things, you know what I mean? Right. Anyway, I just love the idea that there's a tentacle that's existing on the floor, on the space in which the area we live. It's in a smaller, condensed version, and it's like a single, one-eyed creature that is like a ball that you see in like what was the movie? Um, 
the China town, Little China. Big trouble in Little China, the little ball that has the one eye. Oh, yeah. It's like in a Dungeons and Dragons thing that has all these tentacles. It kind of reminds me of that on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I love that. That was really cool. The second one really didn't have anything cool like that in it. But No, but it did. It did have this part where uh, that guy's face melts off. Mm. Right? That part is cool. Yeah. He fa- yeah. Well, his whole body turns into a pile of fucking rot. Right. That was cool. Yeah, that was cool. That's the Japanese writer or Japanese director that did that one. Oh, okay. I think he was the more like strict on the 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 Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. And that that second one too, it was a little rapey, which I didn't like. Oh yeah, oh. well, it's Japanese, so. <laughs> Whoa! What does that mean? If you watch a what? lot, of, a lot of eighties and nineties cinema has a lot of that stuff in it. Like I watch a lot of movies. And a lot of Japanese horror has a lot of rapey stuff in it. Like, yeah. I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying that every every person in Japan is like, you know, like, no, I'm not saying any of that. Uh, but the, a lot of the cinema, you know, especially like Hong Kong, even like there's a lot of that in there. It's just a it's just a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the last story, though, before the wraparound ends is my favorite because it's about these two cops that are arguing over. She gets pregnant. He doesn't know yet. And they're arguing in the car, chasing after this butcher, this serial killer. And they're having an argument at the most inappropriate time. And then he takes off his seatbelt and he's like, go ahead, crash. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and, and then they do. And then like his body gets, well, he's, he's still alive, but he gets taken by the butcher while she's knocked out and dragged into the sub Chris, like sub layer of the sub where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are. There's like a catacombs essentially under the subway or something. <laughs> yeah. And, in New York. And Ninja Turtles with yeah, pizza. Yeah, Ninja Turtles. And a rat that's like it's eating splinter. it. Splinter. <laughs> April, April's going to show up. She'll yeah. save the day. She's the newscaster. But no, they meet up like the cop goes down there and they and she runs into like this guy who is wearing glasses, who is the fucking mortuary guy in Return of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. uh, Caliph's. Uh, Kalfa, and he, he is with this other woman who's blind, who's acting really peculiar, talking about aliens living in the sub basement, and like he owns the building that stands above it, but he he's like been down there, and she's like, yeah, there's aliens down there, and he's like, she's crazy, don't listen to her, mm-hmm. and so the cop is like going through like this game with the the guy who's like telling her little bits as she goes down there, and they're following the blood trail of her partner who is you know down there. Mm -hmm. And when they finally get down there, she gets attacked by the blind woman and pushed down into the hole. Mm -hmm. She's not really blind. She just doesn't have eyes. And that's because she's host of an alien. alien. Right. Which takes over their bodies, hollows out their bodies, except for him. For some reason, he's the one that just goes out and gets some food. So they keep him alive so that they can suck out the marrow from their bones Mm -hmm. and uh, wear their bodies as like, you know. Snatchers. Yeah. And so I love this scene when she finds her her partner down there. Oh, and he's all fucked he's up. He's like hunched over and he's like shaking and his feet are shaking. And then she goes over to check on him and like the back of his head's missing. Mm-hmm. And he's just, they do a really good job of editing and uh, shot. Right. Like it's real. That's not an easy thing to do. 
And he's just shaking, you know, and the back of his head's missing and his eyes are hollowed out. Like everything in his head cavity is gone. Mm -hmm. And so she's like fighting it off, but there's just an alien in his body. Right. So it's just wild, dude. And there was this weird part when the the blind lady or whatever was was talking to her about abortion and how it was wrong. And (laughs) I thought that was so funny. Oh, yeah. She was like, she was like, that's none of your fucking business, lady. And then it's like there's you're this... gonna kill your baby, and that kept being like a humorous thing, right? Well, for the rest of the story, the whole catacomb in the area that she falls into is a pit of like dead bodies. So she's just literally stepping on like like limbs and heads and shit like that. And and uh, at some point in time, like you find out that the walls are covered in these aliens that have wings, and they look like snakes with wings or something mm-hmm. and they have like these large like uh saltus that come out <laughs> and you can they cut off her arms and shit and mm-hmm. her legs and stuff and then she wakes up in a hospital and you can see that the paintings look like the walls in the in the pit mm-hmm. so she thinks she's out of there and she's woken up in this like place but you know she hasn't Right. And the lady, the blind lady and that guy are there and the the guy's her doctor and the lady's her mom. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you were going to kill the baby. And she's like, what happened to the baby then? She's like, oh, it's not dead. <laughs> and she opens up her chest. And it's all like it's attached to her stomach or something. Right. Where they usually suck people's brains out and put it inside. Mm hmm. wild dude fucking crazy it's cool and then she starts screaming because she has no arms and legs she has one arm Mm -hmm. and they start sucking the marrow out of her out of her bones again (laughs) and while she screams and then she starts to laugh at the very end Mm -hmm. and i loved that yeah it was funny it was so that's so like creative i just like it it's really cool yeah now the wraparound was a little silly because you know you got lovecraft who breaks into this like area of this like library that has all this arcane knowledge and of course he's wooed into it because he's lovecraft and this is where he gets all his ideas from they're essentially alluding to and he gets the necronomicon book and he goes and starts and reads through all the different chapters just three of them and then what happens is by the time he opens up the third one it's on a timer or something and the void opens up in the wall where the book was mm-hmm. and the sucker fucking thing comes flying out of like the void and it's and- like <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it had it she made it a comeback yeah. okay <laughs> i was trying to keep it inside yeah <laughs> Anyway, the librarian pushes his head through the bars, which is a funny looking weird scene, Mm -hmm. and then slips through. And then he's like, there's a price to pay for the Necronomicon's knowledge and you're going to pay it with your life. And so fucking Jeffrey Combs is like rips the skin from his lips and pulls (laughs) it up over the dude's head. And it's like this weird fucked up like Hellraiser fucking like Cenobite looking motherfucker. And he's like, it, it, the sucker thing comes out of the void and like onto his face and gets that guy and then yanks his head off. And then the skin just falls to the ground. Mm-hmm. And of course, Lovecraft leaves with the book. And so therefore, they were going to continue on and do Necronomicon 2 and Necronomicon 3, which I think they should still do. They probably could. I don't know why they wouldn't. Have Jeffrey Combs come back as a, a different role, you know, like a different As Grandpa Lovecraft? <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't even be that old in the movie, you know what I mean? 
as Grandpa Lovecraft. <laughs> Gonna sit down and tell you a story about the Kurulula. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed watching the, the second one a lot, though. Yeah, it was good. That one I really, I think, was worth more. Uh, I definitely like the Resurrected, though. Story is great. Like, the whole story is like a really solid story mm-hmm. that was written before a lot of movies that try to do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine how far ahead he was. Right. That it's now as popular as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And stories, that's why it upsets me when I was, like, talking about the thing on the doorstep with that suitable flesh movie right and people were like god they're ripping off other movies i'm like oh my god oh my god (laughs) it's like because they did rip it off from lovecraft (laughs) anyway you just don't realize it that's how permeated he has like right affected all the people who do our all our favorite horror Mm -hmm. so respect even if he was supposedly we always well, have I'm to sure say he it. was. It was back then. I think he was. Most just, people were, I'm sure. He just was phobic of everything. He was every phobia, you know. He was probably xenophobic as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But yeah, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode of this uh, two movies from Lovecraft. You know, obviously, there's some stuff I got here that I want to show you guys eventually on the videos to show you what uh, you can order. Like them, some really cool stuff that I got. I'm going to show you, I'm going to have a couple of different videos in the future. It's just, it's going to take a while because I want to get into some of it, read it like, you know, so that I can talk about it. Like, and I just like show you it, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, so you guys know a thing or two, but there's some really cool stuff that we got donated to us. That is a part of that. And I will have that for you in the future. So if you are Lovecraft crazy, you might want to add us on the YouTube because there's going to be more of that there. Mm hmm. But yeah, so next week we're going to do something. We're not sure yet. We'll be posting that to the uh, social media. So if you aren't following us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all those other places, we'll let you know in the uh, community section or whatever. And uh, so you know what to watch, what the reading assignment is. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, we're thinking of doing the Prophecy 1 and 2. And we got some other stuff. So we got so much stuff that we got to start pulling from the stuff that we got. We got yeah. Yeah. And we I'm tra- somebody suggested that you should watch Akira, Christina. And okay. I, I've watched Akira. It's good. Okay, yeah, but I It's been a long time though. Right. You haven't seen it probably yeah. like since probably like ten. Fifteen years, years or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know when it whatever came out. My brother made me watch that. Right. Okay. Well we would watch that and we would watch another movie. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see next week. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. If if uh, if if we haven't posted it yet, start bugging Christina to, to do stuff that she doesn't want to do. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You'll do it. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll let you know what it is then. I'm sorry. I couldn't tell you now. We just were indecisive. So we hope you have a great week, though. And today's this week's going to be the best week for you. So Horoscope says that uh, Mr. Man is just around the corner. And he's going <laughs> to shit on your chest. He's going to spell I love you. <laughs> with this poo poo. Wow, Christina. This is not. Did you just switch with me? Is this, <laughs> are we in suitable flesh right now? Is this, anyway. Thank you guys for coming by, and as always, long live the void.